This is the Venue RX Podcast, episode number three. You're listening to the Venue RX Podcast, where we provide your weekly prescription of tips, tools, tactics, and inspiration to start or grow your wedding and events business. Follow along with our listeners as we delve into the exciting world of events. And make sure you check out our YouTube channel and social pages, where you can engage with our show host and guests. No matter if you're brand new to the business of weddings or an event pro, our mix of mindset and mechanics will challenge and inspire you. And now, without further ado, our host, Jonathan Amen. All right, everyone. Good morning and welcome to episode number three of the Venue RX podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Amen. I am joined with uh, by my very handsome co-host, Thank you, Tim Wyrick. Thank How are you, you today? so much for that. I appreciate it. The hair's looking and good. You today. as well, looking fantastic today. For all <laughs> of you who are just listening, you need to check us out on YouTube. I, I know clearly you're yeah. missing you're missing a lot. I mean, there's a whole dimension here that you're missing, and I guess that's <laughs> the point with podcasts, right? Yeah. Um, we are excited to bring you this episode today. We are going to be talking about something that I think is especially relevant in today's environment with the pandemic and just the massive shift and change in the industry that's happened today. We are going to be discussing the very important topic of different revenue streams for your business and specifically as this relates to wedding venues. Now, if you are a, another wedding vendor of any sort, whether that's a photographer, a florist, um, whether you do hair and makeup, you know, whether you are a videographer, this is an important conversation and definitely something that you need to consider because, you know, historically we've seen every eight, 10, 12 years, there's some sort of uh, economic reset. And so our goal today is to challenge this topic a little bit, you know, should you add revenue streams and just really discuss some of the revenue streams that we've seen work well to add revenue to your business. So I love the way you said that we're going to challenge it, but I I think this is going to be fun. This is gonna be a good one. Yeah, this is going to be great. So Tim, of course, I have to ask, do we have any housekeeping today? Well, I just touched on one. I definitely think, uh, you know, YouTube is, is where it's at. We would love to see the response and the engagement on there, but um, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. We're going to be dropping tips and tricks and all sorts of fun stuff on there. And it's a good way just to check in with us and get some highlights from the other episodes. So, yeah, we have little sound bites coming out. Uh, that's a great thing. I appreciate you mentioning that. If you go follow us on Instagram, the venue RX, like the venue prescription, uh, Tim and I are moonlighting as doctors during this whole. Yeah this whole thing. We're, we're pulling those degrees. We, we didn't get you know, all that schooling uh, <laughs> that we didn't do at medical school. And, but we are your venue doctors today. So um, yeah, go check us out, The Venue RX uh, on Instagram and send us a DM, shoot us a comment. We would love your suggestions for guests to have on. And that was my bit of housekeeping today. If you have a suggestion for a guest, you're listening to this right now and you know someone who is gregarious, outgoing, who has a story to share and who has some uh, input, or if that's you and you'd like to be interviewed on this podcast, we would love to hear from you. So please go to the venue RX, shoot us a DM and submit that person or yourself. And we will, uh, we will get you scheduled because I think, I think bringing together the community Uh, Well, and this is one of the things that we hope to do. Bringing together the wedding community is very important to you and I. And, you know, the more that we're able to get other vendors involved, I think um, that's, that's a big win for us and for other people who are listening. Yeah, well, and everybody who's listening has likely got a story that we want to hear. So, especially if it's you, but if you have someone you recommend as well, like we, we're down to hear and listen for sure. So, boom. 
All right. And with that, let's get into the show. So today, like I said, in the beginning, we are going to be focusing on revenue streams and should you add them? Should you not add them? There's all sorts of different pros and cons. And before the show, you know, Tim, you and I were chatting a little bit about, um, you know, what streams to add if you are considering adding a different revenue stream to your wedding business. What are we actually talking about here though? When we're talking about wedding, uh, additional streams for your wedding venue business, what, what practically are we talking about here? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and there's, like you said, there's a couple different ways to look at it. There are what you call value adds where you're adding an additional service or a level of experience to your particular venue. Um, and then you have actual uses of your venue. I think probably be the best way to, to, to summarize that where you're, you're deviating from a photo booth addition to actually asking an entirely different market to come use your location. So, uh, you know, office space, you know, co-working space. Um, I wouldn't recommend that right now, but you know, something like that versus a photo booth. So I think there's multiple ways to look at it. And you and I definitely have some varying opinions on this subject, which I think is going to be great for our listeners. Um, well, and I want to, I want to just go really quick and touch on co-working because I think that's a wonderful, oh, we're just going to dive right in. Okay. Yeah. Let's dive right in. I mean, we're here, we're doing it. Um, yeah. let's, so with co-working, I think that's very interesting that you brought that up right away. I don't have personal experience with that. Share a little bit of your, do you have experience with trying to partner up? Have you been in some, into some conversations or in some conversations with coworking companies? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I really like the idea and, and they do too. Uh, and, and here's the best part is like every idea sounds great at the very beginning until you really start to dig and, and, and get some more information out of it. And it's not to say that it's a bad idea, but um, there's, there's a lot more complication to it than just saying, Hey, come use our space. I mean, We're you know, digging to, today, Tim. We're digging. Yeah. We're getting our, we're getting in there, um, you know, from <laughs> having Wi-Fi to the coffee stations, to your competition. Um, and not to mention the pandemic at this point, but like you need to have a lot of setup already done. Um, and most venues have that feature. I know yours in particular, Jonathan, you, you already have the tables and the chairs and the solid Wi-Fi. So why not add this as a potential revenue stream? Um, the, the conversations I've had have always been kind of like co-working spaces that wanted to have events in their venues, um, or, or kind of convert it. And that's where, you know, as, as every venue owner knows your venue is really kind of designed to have a flow to it, to accommodate weddings and, and the cadence and the structure of what a wedding is. Um, whereas co-working spaces, typically people come in, check in and sit down. Um, and so it's, there's a lot less. Uh, flow when it comes to a co-working space, but you have those extra amenities that some, you know, people expect out of a co-working space, you know, ample restrooms and uh, drinking fountains and sodas and snacks and, and all that sorts of stuff. So uh, lots of things to consider. Um, I really like the idea if you can find a way to simplify it um, and then not impede your existing events. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things that we always kind of or I always struggled with is, well, are we going to offer co-working on Monday through Saturday or Monday through Thursday, and then just leave the weekends open? And, um, and then of course the hours, you know, you have to be open and have your venue staffed when you have a co-working space. Whereas if you're just throwing parties and you don't have to have somebody sitting there when nobody's there. So mm. lots of, you wanted to dig. I mean, there's lots of thoughts about this. So, well, and I was going to say that specifically is, is an interesting direction to take an additional revenue stream just because fundamentally a venue has what a co-working space needs which is yeah. the space right yeah. you have all that space and you have some of those amenities to your point bathrooms and, and wi-fi and different things if your venue's already enabled like that um i'm excited 
about this topic because I think that there's a lot of outside the box thinking, which mm-hmm. I really admire you, Tim, for. Um, but there's a lot of outside the box thinking that can be done on this into using the space differently. So I'd like to unpack that first. And then let's go in and talk a little bit more about those value add things, maybe photo booths, bringing, you know, some venues bring catering in house, right? Um, I know you and I aren't maybe the biggest fans of that, but (laughs) there are those all inclusive venues that you come in and, you know, it's a hundred dollars a head or $120 a head. And that's just their pricing model and how their, how their margins are built in and and everything else. Um, Talk to me about ways that you have seen venue spaces currently and even in this current pandemic environment, currently ways that venue spaces have been repurposed outside of a strict wedding venue. Ooh, the, the number one comes to um, well, corporate events, obviously, are, are the, the gravy if you can get those. Um, and, and one of the things I would say is be, be cautious because uh, that's an entirely different market with an entirely different subset of requirements um, when, you, when you go that route. Uh, but one of the uses that I, I've seen is um, art walks. So if you are in a, a local business district, usually they have uh, a Friday nights or a first Thursdays of the month where they just open up this, the block, uh, the city block and everybody's doors are open and you just come in and visit the shops. And usually there's alcohol flowing and a lot of, you know, movement and environment. And this is obviously again, pre pandemic. Um, but that was one of the uses that I really wanted to capitalize on because it's fresh eyes. It's, it's a very low bar to entry as well. Like you can literally just open your doors, have one person sitting there, people come in and say hi and ask questions. Um, a lot of it was really geared toward the art districts, um, you know, uh, up in Seattle. I think it was a, a first Thursday in Pioneer Square and they, all they did was open it up and sometimes they'd feature an artist. Um, and that's partnerships and collaborations that you can do there. But um, that was probably one of the most successful easiest to acquire opportunities with a very low barrier to entry. Let's, I want to, uh, before we go any deeper into this, I, I guess one of the other things that maybe for a prospective listener, they're thinking about how they should be approaching this. Are we strictly thinking about generating new revenue or are we thinking about creating some awareness and some attention and maybe some marketing? Because, you know, again, let's talk maybe pre pandemic, uh, or even post pandemic, you know, on either side. Should, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, is it, should we just go straight for the jugular? Are we just trying to make the money or are we trying to create local goodwill, uh, those natural marketing opportunities? Like you said, with art walks, I mean, that's a lot of natural, uh, traffic. However, for a venue that is situated, maybe a ranch venue or a barn venue or something like that, that's not necessarily in a populated area with a lot of, um, foot traffic. Yeah. That's not going to be as possible. So could you, are, are some of those events still possible? I mean, art walks probably aren't if you're not in the central business district, but, um, you know, for people that have a smaller venue or are kind of out, you know, away from the city, um, things that you can explore are mini concerts. If you have those relationships, um, you could have networking groups, work with your local, uh, insurance agent company, uh, your local realtors, they always have network meetups. And that's a really good group of people to know because they know a lot of people. Um, and to me, it's, it's kind of one in the same, whether you're going for the jugular and trying to get that dollar or you're marketing, you're going for the jugular trying to get that dollar. So it's, it's really kind of an opportunity for you to capitalize on. And I guess the, 
the biggest thing is don't spend money to try or try to minimize the amount of money you're spending to make more money. So try to get the best ROI or the return on your investment. Um, and at this point it would be time. So if you're going to spend three to four to six hours opening up your space uh, for people to come visit, whether it's through a concert or an art walk or through a networking meeting, try not to spend too much dollars, uh, too much money because you want to get a good return on that. Um, and then it's, it's also about expanding your, your email list and your, your marketing list um, to make sure that you can reach out to these people again and, and get your name out there even further. And that's, that's really what it's to me is about on all of these opportunities is not trying to charge $10 at the door to come in. It's like, come visit us. Let me get your email address. Cause I'm going to take that $10 you would have paid me and convert it into thousands of dollars, um, you know, with a venue rental. So that, that's where I would, I would say, you know, even post pandemic, there are, there are opportunities that are coming, um, you know, and here in Kansas city, they're allowed to gather up to 50 people. So that's, that's kind of the cap. And if you are a, a bigger venue, you can accommodate that pretty easily with social distancing um, and still have a stage and somebody performing and you can make it a benefit concert, you know, and, and have it. So there, there's all sorts of goodwill and ways because you have the, the most crucial component, which is the space. Everybody exactly. needs the space. Um, so there, there's just pretty much unlimited opportunity to explore, um, which I think kind of takes us into the next part of it at some point is do you limit what you're going to do or do you just explore every possible option out there? Um, I think there's, you know, it's a double-edged sword on both sides. But what- well, and I think you bring up a good point. So I think there's a level of mindset here that we would be remiss if we didn't discuss. You've got to go into this this discussion with yourself, with your business partner, with your spouse, if it's, you know, uh, privately owned, even a backyard style yeah. you know, wedding venue. If, if you're listening to this right now and you have 10 acres um, and you are, you know, using part of it, you have, you've got a barn, you have a, um, you know, some sort of area that you've rented out. How do you take that and you convert it into a marketing opportunity where you're not spending a lot of money, but you are getting that awareness in a unique and creative way. And I, I feel like some of the most powerful marketing isn't necessarily direct, right? Yeah. It's that subtle product placement in movies. It's, um, you know, just being the host of the party. You're familiar with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk? Oh, yeah. And I'm sure many of our listeners are as well. So If not, he, you should be, by all means. <laughs> please, and go look, go look this guy up. He's, Gary V. He's, yeah, absolutely. Gary V. yep. Um, he has this whole high school party uh, analogy. Have you heard it? No, no, I'm excited. Yes. Okay. I'm so excited about this because this is really, really true. And I actually, I have to say, I used this in college without even knowing it. I grew up homeschooled, fun fact, and uh, homeschooled all the way through college. So when I got to college, I didn't really necessarily have, and I I didn't go to a four-year right away. I went to a two-year community college before transferring to a four-year. And so I lived in this house with all these guys. And when, when you live in a house, it is there is a opportunity to host the parties. And so Gary Vee talks about a high school party. If you have the cool parents that are willing to let you have the high school party at your house, all of a sudden, if your social status, let's just say, is at a two or a three, all of a sudden, because now you're willing to partner with the, maybe the more popular kids and host their parties because their parents are not going to let them, now all of a sudden you're the host of the party. You are known as you know the go-to person, and your social status gets elevated. But that happens naturally based on that act of service of extending the space. And that exact thing can happen if you're even hosting a podcast, right? If you're willing to let people host the podcast and say, "Hey, you know, would you mentor, mention us to your podcast guests?" If there's YouTube channel recordings or things like that. So, um, but again, let's go back to mindset. 
because I think there's so many things that we can do. And I think this, especially right now, there, there are plenty of vendors out there and venues that have just been really beat up yeah. and are listening to this. Maybe depending on when you're listening to this pretty discouraged and, you know, maybe not knowing the direction that you should go, but it's good. Like just take a deep breath and realize there are a lot of possibilities and opportunities. And just like you said, in Kansas city with 50 people, there are different ways that, that you can pivot and keep pushing forward. And so, um, if anything, feel encouraged about that, but let's go back to mindset. What are there some important things, some important steps that you would take before opening up your venue to every real estate network meeting, <laughs> uh, YouTube, like we started throwing a lot of things out there, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and I think that that comes down to knowing your network and your, your, your market again is, is exploring and going out and meeting people because that's really what's going to change it is the right person is going to be the right connection is going to open up this opportunity to this event. Um, and, and that's what it's really about is just connecting with other people. Um, and you have some I think, practical, let, let's go practical. You know, what is that? Are you just going down to Starbucks and trying oh, to yeah. um, shake some hands. Uh, I guess we don't shake hands anymore. We if, get fist bumps. <laughs> it's elbow air, bumps. Air bu- um, elbow bumps. You, you know, actually reaching out and, and you know, it sounds bad, but you're cold calling. You're cold calling your network. And um, I, I would do LinkedIn and find people that are like-minded in the like industry or even slightly different industries. Um, you know, do a little bit of digging on them to see, uh, you know, what they're up to, what they're passionate about and try to connect with them. Um, and if you can stick to a specific niche like real estate agents or um, insurance agents or, or whatever it is, those are just two of the ones that are most prominent, um, you know, you might find that you are the go-to venue for real estate networking meetings. Um, and if every realtor is coming to your space over and over again, and you just, you have to find the right person. And that's one of the questions I always ask when I'm meeting somebody is, you know, you are awesome to me and I really enjoyed our conversation do you have someone else that you think I should meet and, and network with? Do you have someone that could benefit from the conversation and, and knowing me and maybe I can help them in another way or something like that? Um, so just kind of like going above and beyond just the traditional, hi, I'm Tim, I'm a, a venue owner. It's nice to meet you. Um, it's, it's like, you know, have, be passionate about, you know, serving that person, helping that person, and then asking them. You have to ask, like, is there anything else I can do to help you? And is there anybody else that you would recommend I connect with? That's um, so important. You, yeah. I'm, Tim, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like a lot of times our conversations end at what the interaction can be between the two people who are talking. Yeah. It's like, Tim, what can you, what can you do for me? Are we going to do business together? You know, is there a relationship? I think even romantically, a lot of times as guys or gals, we're, we're looking for that other person to, satisfy whatever we're looking for right when in fact they could be the gateway they could be the key holder right to open that lock somewhere else whether that's like i said a romantic relationship a business relationship any any sort of opportunity if you come into it with a mindset of like hey what do you have for me versus hey this is what i'm looking for is this something you're willing to tackle or would you know someone who I'm able to serve in this way or someone who'd be interested in this opportunity? So I love that you said that. Thank you so much. Well, That's- you gotta be honest. Like we're selfish, like we're humans and mm-hmm. it's, it's always about what survival techniques and, and tactics. So, um, you, you know, you're going to be selfish and you know, you're going to want to meet the something somebody and you have a purpose behind it. But if you can shift your mindset and 
you know, actually care and listen and then go out there and try to find someone else that you can care and help, that's going to go 10 times faster than, hey, can you bring your group to my venue and have a party? It's, mm-hmm. it's like that that doesn't do anything. They're like, well, why am I helping you? So um, I think that's one one way to go about it. But um, before we get too further, Jonathan, you literally have this right now. You know, with, with one of your venues, it's it's a, a church, you know, a gathering of people. So can you talk about that experience? And do you feel like that is one opportunity that venues can explore because churches need places to congregate? And if you have an open space, like what, what's your experience in with that? Definitely. So there is so much here to unpack. I'm <laughs> glad you asked. Um, I've really learned a lot in the past couple months as we've been working through this because, you know, it is the space that we have is shared by a church group. So the hypothetical scenario that was discussed is a Monday through Thursday use of, um, you know, the, the space as a church and community venue. And then the rest of it, Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be a wedding venue. And what we've found is there's a lot of rub at different points between the two different motivations, the church group wanting to use it to uh, further their mission in the community. And, and, you know, um, it, it is a Christian church. So, you know, as they pursue their faith, as they pursue, uh, you know, the gospel impacting people and changing people's lives, um, Monday through Thursday, through concerts, through prayer groups, through gatherings, um, the discussion has been, okay, how are we going to view this? And so I think that's why the mindset is so important because if you're not totally clear on who your bride or groom is, if you're not clear on who the couple is that you're going to be serving, it's very easy to send out incorrect marketing baits, even at mass gatherings of people. And we've had some groups of people come in where it would be a perfect marketing opportunity, but it's just not going to be our target market. Case in point, a group of children, you know, if there's a big event for a group of kids, you're, there's going to be no lead generation there or limited lead generation, you know, if there's parents or whatever who are coming. Um, So it's important to make sure that you know, kind of what you're trying to do. Is it purely altruistic? Is there a goal there of, you know, trying to build in some value to demonstrate how the space can be used for other people who could be paying clients. Um, One of the things that we've learned very, very quickly is that it's really important to set your boundaries for these uh, different types of events up front and always make sure that you charge even a little bit. And I say this and I would really encourage people to consider this. And this is something that we're, we, I, I think we struggle with, and I think specifically because it's a church space. Um, but I'm glad we can talk about this because there's plenty of different spaces like this out there in existence that I know may struggle with this concept. The church side of it, who is the ownership, they are um, the property owners. They are saying, "Well, this is, you know, this is church property. Like we don't we don't charge for this. We don't." Um, this is a gift to the community. And my thing is, you know, yes, absolutely. It can be a gift. We can undervalue it. We can discount it, but we need to make sure that we understand our value because anyone who comes into the space expects excellence, regardless of if it's 500 or $5,000. And so understanding what you're offering, understanding, you know, how much it's going to cost to provide the type of experience you want to cost. You're not serving anyone by undervaluing yourself. No, absolutely. And you're, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle at that point too. So 
Um, and I think one of the, what we actually just kind of, I figured out is you are in a partnership and, and this is definitely a, a diversified income stream opportunity is to find someone that you can partner with and put them on the onus. Okay, you get Monday through Thursday, I'll take Friday through Sunday. Um, and you become quote unquote, the landlord. So it's like, here, here's your opportunity. So that that right there is like kind of a home run to me is, is finding someone else that you can trust and work with and get all these conversations out there up front and say, all right, you know, if you're a promoter and this is what you do, you need a space, but you can't afford or don't have the, the background to go out and get a venue. Why don't we work together? You know, mm-hmm. I won't step on your toes. You won't step on my toes. Um, the, the, the thing that I would, you know, caution is when you share a space with somebody, there are a level of expectations that they, they want and, and that what they need to be able to be successful. Um, and then you have a, a level of expectations. So um, you can't be, well, I have a wedding that wants to get booked on Tuesday. So I need the space from you. Like that's gotta be a two way street where it's like, I'm going to pay you for my space mm-hmm. and you know, they're going to get their revenue because they're giving up a day. So there's like all sorts of ways that you can go about it. Well, um, and Tim, I, I should at this point give a, a huge shout out to, the ownership of the venue that, that we're currently uh, at right now yeah. with this thing, uh, Matt and Amy, and I know, and I hope at some point that that both of you will be listening to this, but I just want to say the level of communication that we've been able to have back and forth is, is incredible. And it's so important because Tim, to your point, whether you're working with a, a promoter, you know, whoever you're working with, you have got to make sure that the communication's on point, that there's mutual respect, that there's a level of trust there because when you're sharing a space like that and you know setup needs to happen here or there or you know maybe something is not clean for the next day when there's an important event um though those conversations are sometimes difficult to have but they're so important to have and to just be transparent and be um use a lot of candor when you're when you're having those discussions and so i'm i'm really thankful to both matt and amy because it has been that struggle at times where you know, we've wanted to have a rehearsal on a Thursday, there's a, you know, a prayer group or a little um, worship meeting or something happening on that Thursday. And the bride's not able to get that. And that's, that causes some friction in our relationship with the bride. So how, how do you handle that? And how do you, you know, what are those guidelines? So I think it's never going to be completely cut and dried as much as we'd like to plan it out and use a spreadsheet and whatever else you've got to have those lines of communication open. So, um, well, to your you, point. you said, I mean, you have had nothing but amazing things to say about Matt and Amy. And I think that that is a, a huge dynamic that you have to be, you have to have figured out when you go into some sort of partnership like that. And I think, uh, you know, kudos to all three of you guys, because you, you, you have been able to do that. And I know through our conversations, you know, on the side, you've always said, like, it's been very easy to have these conversations with them, even though they're tough conversations. It's not something you go and beat around the bush. And, you know, you, you are very candid about it. Like, this is an issue. How do we, how do we solve this? And so um, I know we're kind of, you know, deviating. well, we've diverted a little bit, but that's, but I think it's a really good point because, you know, we're talking about diversifying the income streams of your venue. And so if you're going to develop a partnership with someone who has uh, credibility or capability in a specific area, just making sure you have those conversations with them up front and yeah. remembering it is a relationship and it's important to be able to have that dialogue with them on an ongoing basis. And so I would say spending more time up front with someone is going to save you a lot of headache yeah. on the back end. Uh, and, and just to make sure even with a simple one page document, just to outline what happens when can be really, really helpful. Even if it's not something crazy that's over, you know, looked over by lawyers or whatever, if there's just an expectation sheet that's laid out that 
you know, this is what you get from this time to this time. This is what I get from here to here. Um, that can be a, an extremely powerful way to open yourself up to not only new revenue, but new organic marketing and yeah. lead gen and all sorts of different really cool things. Well, it, that document doesn't have to be set in stone. It just has to be an agreement between you because it'd be like, I know that I'm not supposed to have this space on Tuesday, but if you're not using it, are you open to having this conversation? And that's, that's really what it is, is, is a clarity point to go back and say, hey, listen, you know, you either violated this or I want to quote unquote violate this and with your permission, move forward in that perspective. So um, I, I think that's, that's probably one of the best ways to expand your revenue streams is diversify and, and share your space um, if you have the right person and the right partner um, to do that. And I would definitely set a time limit um, you know, let's, let's try this out for three months, see if it makes, if we can make it work. Obviously with weddings, you need more than 12 months probably to book your space out that far. Um, but again, at that point you have that entire time frame to book out your space beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's, um, probably in my opinion, one of the best revenue streams you can add is, is some sort of partnership with somebody, mm -hmm. um, let them take on the onus of booking your space. Uh, and, and then everybody wins at that point. Mm -hmm. Something I wanted to add to this is also understanding the expectations of the people who are going to be coming into the space and, and what, what type of lead you're going to get. And so one of the things that we've seen is specifically working with the church community that may be friends, family connections, extended network, uh, you know, folks who are members or friends of members of, of this church there is a level of familiarity with the venue already. And so if someone is looking to book there, they likely have a pre-existing relationship with Matt and Amy at the space, right? Or pre-existing relationship with there. So depending on your position, if you are the venue owner and now you're bringing in someone else, understanding that that other person that uh, you're bringing in does have their circle. They do have mm -hmm. their group and whether that's a real estate group or a Toastmasters group even, or something like that, they have people in their network who are going to come to the, the property or come to that group with a certain level of familiarity. And they're going to maybe expect deals or there's yeah. going to be expectations that are not necessarily spoken or verbalized. And that's something we've certainly encountered. Um, you know, being on the other side of it, we are, we are, uh, we have a management agreement with this venue. So we're on the other side of the spectrum and there is existing relationships. You know, this, this group has been around for 30 years. I mean, there are some very deep, very solid connections and even generational yeah. connections that happen. And so now all of a sudden someone comes along and you're saying, oh, I want to charge you $8,000 for a wedding. It's like, I grew up here. I was seven <laughs> sitting over there. What do you, what's it going to be $8,000 and the arch is going to be an extra 200. What, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, some hurt feelings, some phone calls. You, so the communication is so important. It could sound like a mess, but really if you're just willing to do a little bit of extra work, um, I, I think it can pay huge dividends and just making sure that you're clearly defining what you can and can't provide. And you're understanding what the lead is going to look like that comes in from, from the partnership that you're making. Yeah. Real estate leads are gonna look a little bit different, you know, like I said, than if you're partnering up with uh, first responders, fire, police, you know, for their events. The leads from that is gonna look a little bit different if you partner with uh, legal groups for uh, spaces for depositions, right? Like there's a bunch of different things that, um, that you can do. 
But um, well, and I think that that kind of segues into the next um, idea is, you know, instead of creating an actual partnership, just create relationships with other people who put on events. Um, you know, your, your coordinator is one that puts on a ton of events and they know baby showers and, and uh, what's the not bachelorette parties, but what's the one before the wedding? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Right bridal now. shower? Uh, yeah, bridal showers. Um, you know, and, and there's all sorts of opportunities to explore there and say, hey, you know, I'll give you the space for 500 bucks and you can charge whatever you want because it's a Tuesday and I don't really care. I just want the $500. Um, then you don't have to worry about that monetary exchange or trying to sell to, you know, a bride, a bridal shower or something like that, or a baby shower even. Um, so I think there's, there's different ways to explore the partnership, quote unquote, um, mm -hmm. whether it's through uh, just a, you try to book the space and I pay you or you get to charge whatever you want and you pay me. Um, there's, there's different ways to go about it and it could vary from person to person too. So. Well, and here's a perfect place for a plug. If you haven't listened to episode two, I would recommend that you at some point when you're done listening to this, go back and listen to the discussion that we had, uh, on pricing in episode two, because knowing your costs, knowing how much yeah. uh, you need to be making from the venue on any given day and knowing how much like is a Tuesday, does it make sense for you to lease or rent or sublease your venue space out on a Tuesday for 500 bucks or a thousand dollars? Or do you need to be charging 1200? Yeah. You know, what, how are you set up? What does your overhead look like? What do your costs look like? How much does your staffing cost? What are your utilities? We cover all those things in episode two. So go, go check that one out yeah. <laughs> after you're done with this one, of course. Um, let's pivot though, Tim, because we've sure. spent a little bit talking about ways that you can take your space, develop a partnership, you know, repurpose and reutilize the space, whether it's co-working, whether it's additional meetings. Um, we were talking about podcasts, YouTube things. Um, there's all sorts of different creative spaces where people who maybe need a creator space who don't have that space can utilize midweek. And I think that's super, super powerful. Let's change gears here though. Let's talk about how, when you're an existing venue, let's say that you are even currently or post pandemic, you know, we hope you're doing good currently, but if you're not, and you're kind of struggling and you're trying to revitalize your business, um, you can use some of the tips we just talked about, but moving forward, let's say that you do have, you know, your Saturdays in 2021 are super booked out now, right? Um, you know, 2022 is probably picking up some bookings as well. If you're in that space and you're just looking to increase the revenue that you're making per wedding, so maybe you can make up for some of the lost revenue in 2020 yeah. here. Um, let's talk about some strategies there. What have you seen work, uh, whether it's for an all-inclusive venue or a blank canvas? Ooh. Um, Big question. The, lot, the, lot that's to, a beautiful question because like you said, and, and I've said it to you, is 2021 is going to be an incredible year for every venue um, just because everybody you pushed from 2020 to 2021 is going to have their event. So we, we do need to start thinking of ways to, eke out a couple more dollars to make up for what we lost, um, in 2020. So, um, you know, again, I would say partnerships, um, you know, bringing in a photo booth company, if you don't have a photo booth and saying, Hey, can I get 10% for everybody that I push and I'll push it out to my entire group? Um, you know, kind of your Epic vendor list or your, not your Epic vendor, your, your vendor list. Um, Let me interrupt you, you really, yeah. really quick. When I want to ask a question though, Do, would you recommend partnering or doing it yourself? And what questions would you ask Ooh. to determine that? I, I, I'm kind of, I like the outsourcing idea. I, I like, you know, having someone who's an expert and a professional is already established and has figured out all the nuances and the challenges. I think there's, you know, you're going to leave some money on the table 
but you're also going to leave all that stress out there and you're not going to have to deal with buying a photo booth and figuring it out and manning it if it doesn't work and the labor that comes. So there's, like I said, with every revenue stream you add, there's going to be a level of complexity. Um, And so if that to me is dependent on you as the venue owner, like how much time and effort and energy do you have to explore this new revenue stream? Um, you know, catering, you obviously aren't going to be the one that can cook and then plate and then serve. You're going to have to hire a staff. Um, and if you partner with a caterer, say, Hey, Mr. Cater or Mrs. Cater, I'm going to push your catering business on all my 2021 clients. We're going to have a special promotion. Are you willing to give me 5%, 10% of whatever they book? Um, you know, there's dessert carts, you know, dessert trucks and you you do, um, what was the one that was my favorite, the, um, cinnamon sticks. Gosh, my wife. Churros. So what? Churros. Churros. Um, you know, if they're going to come at the end of the night, all right, churro truck. I'm I'm going to have you come. To How long all have you been events. in Kansas now? Because I mean, you you got it. You can't be forgetting about churros. You lived. In Dude, San we had pozole yesterday. It was Ooh. phenomenal. So if you if you know pozole, my wife cooked it for the first time. Absolutely delicious. I actually put it on some of my eggs this morning. It was it was that good. So um, now but, I'm you know. Thanks. What? Thanks. I said now I'm hungry. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks well. That. I got some pozole left over if you want some. All right. Um, I'll, I'll book a flight. <laughs> uh, but I mean, th- those are opportunities that you can explore with every vendor. And that's, I would start there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just especially if you have a good relationship with one or the other, say, hey, you know, I'm struggling, you're struggling. Is there something we can do to collaborate and we can create a win for both of us? Because um, I guarantee you if, you, if you have 52 Saturdays booked for 2021, uh, and, and your your local caterer, or your local photographer, your local florist is struggling to to have these events, and and they are, um, you know, hey, what if we pushed your service and you know we offered a special promotion? Are you willing to work with me because I obviously need to increase my revenue a little bit? Don't want to take away from you too much, but is there a value add or a collaboration that we can create for our clients that becomes a win 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 for all three parties? Um, and I, there are some creative things, like I said, you know, talking to your, uh, your after party vendor trucks, vendor, gosh, food trucks. Um, I'm just really struggling today with some, some words. So I apologize. Um, but w- what do you think, Jonathan? I mean, words you, are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> what are, what are some of your thoughts on ways to increase this revenue, uh, post pandemic? I think it's really important to understand yourself and have a good level of self-awareness to figure out is this something that I want to take on? And going back, I really like, like if we can, doing it in-house. Sure, there's, you know, uh, there's the added maintenance, there's the added cost. You have to amortize the cost of equipment or maintenance over time. And if you're unsuccessful and if it doesn't work, that's, you know, a potential loss that you have. So there, it definitely does get a little bit more complicated if you are doing it in-house. But I guess you have to understand yourself. And what I know about myself is I like starting new things, new businesses like that is there's a a, a sense of energy and kind of uh, creation and and newness there. And so if you're like me, I would encourage you to understand yourself and think about what you like doing. And maybe you have no business adding photo booth, photo bus stuff on, but you should be doing alcohol in house or you should be doing the staffing component or you should be doing, you know, um, developing more of a closed catering list or whatever, like depending on who you are, you should adapt that to what things that you're going to, you plan on offering in house. Um, if you're just amazing with cars and you love tinkering with vintage cars, making a little 
um, vintage car with a tap handle on the side of it or a, 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 a retrofitted VW bus like we've seen with you know some of the photo yeah. booths that have happened or, um, or a photo op. Like set it up for a photo op, you know, talk to your clients. Hey, I've got these vintage cars. Do you want me to set it out front and you guys can take pictures? Um, 200, 300 bucks, you know, I'll, I'll bring And it's a it. huge value add, but yeah. you're taking who you are as a person and that's going to shine through and you're going to really get clients that really appreciate you and you're going to love doing it. It's not going to be painful if you absolutely hate photography and you're not yeah. a tech person at all and you're trying to set this thing up and the batteries aren't working and the program <laughs> is not working and the you're going to get so drained. So I would yeah. say do a personal evaluation um, and then understand, just do some research understanding where is, um, where are the profit margins higher? You know, yeah. does it make sense to do a photo booth? Does it make sense to do the alcohol? Are there zoning restrictions? Are there liquor license restrictions? Um, so I would kind of go through that process, understand yourself then look at what is the highest profit margin. So by process of elimination, you'll end up getting to what you should be doing yep. maybe. And yep. that can be different for each, for each one. On the venue, uh, on the partnership side of things, I even hesitate getting into this a little bit because I feel like this is a full other episode that we need to talk about. How do you develop those relationships with vendors? How do you create those partnerships? And what do you do when there are multiple relationships because for every venue there's like four catering companies yeah you know what i mean or five yeah. catering companies so how do you go about selecting a partner for this you know obviously you can start with if they call you back yeah. <laughs> from yeah. from a very basic <laughs> standpoint but you know how how do you go about understanding who to partner with how to partner the revenue split um some of those things so i think we're going to have to create an episode on that and if you're listening um like we said in the beginning Go to the venue RX uh, Instagram, or if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know in, in the comments, like what things have you seen work? What add-ons have you seen work at venues? And would you more, most importantly, I think, would you do it in-house or would you do that partnership? Cause that's, that's, you have to kind of decide that very early on so that you're not bringing in the relationship and then kicking them out after three or four months yeah. and copying them. That's not that, that won't yeah. breed a lot of goodwill um, with they'll your vendor. You really, yeah. They'll damage you in the industry very quickly. And I mean, unless you're very upfront about it, like, Hey, I just want to try this for three months and we may explore it on our own. I mean, if you have those conversations up front and that comes down to the dialogue um, and I think there's going to be a lot of it uh, because they're going to have their wants and needs. You're going to have your wants and needs and it's, it's going to have to, you know, we're going to try this and we're going to see if it works. And, and I would always put some sort of testing period on there that, you know, if it doesn't work, you haven't lost that much either side, um, you know, and, and make it somewhat mutual. And so it is dangerous when you bring other people in um, to some extent, but I, I would start with the people you're most comfortable with who you've known the longest or, you know, you've worked with several times and just really click. I think that's incredibly important. Um, and I think one of the other probably easiest revenue streams you can add um, is some level of coordination or event planning or something. Um, you know, if you partner up with a coordinator, then you're, you're kind of limited in that regard. But as a venue owner, you, you were likely there from the very beginning to the very end anyway. So you, you are going to be part really of the point. planning or the coordination of the day. Is there a packet that you can create or um, timelines or typical do's and don'ts or, or something that you can add value to your client? Say, hey, for $500, we'll bring in a second body and they're going to help, you know, 
make sure your dress is ready before you walk down the aisle or, you know, make sure that there's water being poured for all your guests, like just an extra person. Um, and, and to me that, that adds a significant amount of value with a very low cost for, to you, um, typically. Um, and, and it's a pretty streamlined with what you're doing already. Uh, which I think is, is kind of a fast track to, to adding some revenue. Now, if you're already offering coordination or it's already part of your package, then you're kind of limited there. Um, but you, you'll start to see, and as you brainstorm, hopefully you're getting some inspiration and ideas of, oh, if I did this or I added this value or I brought in this person, um, can I charge more? Do my clients even want it? Um, and then I would test it. I, I would test it with one or two or three clients um, through a conversation because it's very likely you're not going to have it dialed into a T um, before you have the conversation and, and they're going to bring up challenges and questions that you're like, Oh shit, I never even thought about that. Um, and so, uh, you know, some of the questions we got is, Oh, so you're gonna have somebody there on the day of what are they going to wear? It's like, Oh yeah, that, that is important. That That's an important you, question. Yeah. yeah. You know, what is, what is security? You, you bring in security at night. Are they armed? Are, are, are they there to kick people out? And it's like, so these questions are going to come up as you have these conversations with your customers. And if you have a relationship with hope, hopefully you do um, with your clients that you can have these conversations and be very candid, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about doing this. What, what are your thoughts on it? And they're like, well, what if this, 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 that'll help percolate and, and give you some more ideas to, to go I, off of it. I think there's a, a big uh, awareness of actual versus perceived value. Because yeah. we're, we're talking about building in value, but I guess the value is to who? As yeah. wedding professionals, as wedding vendors, if you're listening to this right now, you know that there are all sorts of extremely invaluable things that you wish you could communicate to every single client. And you know, I think a lot of different uh, wedding or even business gurus would talk about you know, knowing who your client is and you know, um, educating the client and you know, bringing awareness to certain points that they may not be aware of coming into a wedding or coming into an event. That is totally true, but really thinking about it empathetically and understanding where is the perceived value for them? Because there could be a huge difference between something that has a lot of perceived value and you're able to build in a lot of additional revenue possibilities where the actual value, um, the cost for bringing that in is not not that high. And like yeah. you said, to your point with the coordination, that's definitely a good one. Um, I think every different venue will have unique things. So it's important to have some of that, some of that creative time. And we talked, uh, in episode two about, you know, kind of at the end, I believe we were talking about will it being willing to invest back into yourself, read books, things like that, understanding the actual perceived value, thinking in your client's shoes from your client's viewpoint and understanding do they need coordination or will they be scratching their head wondering why the heck would I need coordination while you're right. there going, coordination really helped me because it'll help sure, make sure they start on time, end yeah. on time, and there's not a bunch of trash left over afterwards. So, yeah. Well, really, you're solving their problem. I mean, there, there's value adds and then can you solve another problem that they, number one, didn't know they had or number two, that they do know and you're like, well, I can partner up or we can create this all inclusive. Like, yeah, so you're absolutely right is the perceived notion of, I know this is incredibly valuable. I know I can do this and I know this is going to help me in 10 million ways and it's going to help you in five or six. Mm -hmm. um, so yep. yeah, dude, that was, that was brilliant. I like that. Cool. All right. Well, let's move to the next and kind of the tail end section of our, sure. of our episode here. Um, we like to do questions and specifically when we bring guests on 
we're really excited to ask them some quick kind of hot take type questions. We've called it the lightning round, the fire round. There's all sorts of different names for it. We are going to come up with a defined name, Tim, and we're only on episode three here, so I'm not, not too worried about it. Um, we'll come up with something catchy. If you have a suggestion for us, hit us with <laughs> it because we love it and we know that our community here is very creative and so we'd love to hear your suggestions. But uh, wind down, what, what, what was it? The wedding Post wedding wind, wind down. Post wedding wind down. So, I mean, we could, yeah. we could do that. Um, but we do have a couple of questions. And so Tim, let's go ahead. We'll ping pong a couple of these questions back and forth. Huh? Let's um, I'm going to have you go ahead, start asking me the question. We'll go through two of these. And then I want to ask you a question at the end, a business book or um, podcast, let's say, other than this one okay. that has really, really impacted you positively from a mindset perspective, maybe from a work-life balance perspective. Uh, I actually have one in my head already that directly relates to what we were just talking about. So maybe I have an unfair advantage <laughs> asking this okay. question. You're asking but, questions that you already know the answer to. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I know, right? <laughs> right. Hey, I can play that game. I'm, I'm down. I'm here for that. Kinds of questions. Cool. Um, so I'm going to have you start. Uh, let's just pull two of those fast questions and, um, and then we'll move along to that resource tip at the end. Yeah. Um, so based on, you know, kind of our background conversations, you are, you're going ham right now. Like you are, you're going hard and you are, you're just, you're, yeah, you're going really hard right now, which is impressive and awesome. Um, what, what is your inspiration or your motivation to continue doing that? That's a great question. And I, you, you actually asked a similar question yesterday. Did I? And I answered freedom, but yes. you know, you're, you're asking in a little bit of a different way. Sorry. And I think that's important because, um, the, the inspiration is not always connected exactly to the motivation. Yeah. Right. And there are, I, I like to think of inspiration more as, maybe long range and with a lot more breadth and the motivation is definitely more practical. It's more pragmatic. It's more, um, what's right in front of you. And for me, I have a lot of goals that I really want to accomplish. And I often find myself starting projects and not finishing them. And I often find myself, you know, dreaming really big, but not doing the work, the hard work in some cases, the really annoying, administratively driven, whatever work that's just a total bummer, but that you have to get done in order to succeed and get to the next level. And so, you know, we were, we were doing roughly a million dollars a year in our staffing company prior to the pandemic. I not only want to get back there, but I want to break into a new category. I really want to be consistently making over $2 million of revenue a year. And I have some of those goals. And so my, my motivation, what kind of keeps me driving is a very, very visceral, tangible goal that I have of wanting to hit the two to $4 million mark uh, in revenue that you know, we're able to do because I really believe that's going to push our business to the next level. And I want to increase payroll. Uh, I want to, you know, be able to give more to my employees. Um, they do, they work so hard. I want to be able to expand their roles. Um, I want to continue growing the team. And so from a very straightforward, visceral, practical standpoint, my motivation is, and, and why I'm hustling so hard. And I mean, it's for, you know, we started this around 4.30 AM or something like that here. Um, and the day is going to be full, but I love it that way. And I want it that way because 
uh, I'm motivated to hit those, hit those goals. And those are practical, tangible goals that I have, and I'm looking to accomplish them in the next 12 months. And I know that I have to take action on those now. So that for me is a big driving force outside of just wanting freedom, financial freedom, schedule freedom, um, things that are more directly related to being an entrepreneur. Awesome. That was, that, thanks for re-answering my question totally differently. I like that. No, it was awesome. No, no, you, you actually appreciate it. <laughs> answered it. I'm just plugging episode two is what I'm doing. I, like, Again. listen, if you're listening to this or watching this, you got to go listen to episode there's, two. There's we talked about content, all of this stuff. No, pricing. absolutely. You got to know. Um, we talk about the money. Okay. Are you so asking me now? What? I sure am. So I've got, Tim, I'm excited about this question because I know you've got some juicy, just awesomeness for us. We've talked about bridezillas, momzillas, friendzillas, just zillas, right? Yeah. What is a zilla moment for you in the 10 plus years that you've been involved in this industry? Give us the juice. Give us the nasty bits. Give us the details. Oh, Let easy, me know. Easy. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but what I'm saying, if, if that person's listening, they might know. Um, so it was when I was a photographer, back in the photography days, you get all sorts of experiences out there. Um, and we had just photographed this couple and we, um, we thought we crushed it. Like we, we did a great job and we, we um, delivered some really quality photos, lots of depth and artistic value and everything. And, and we just absolutely loved the session. Um, sent it to her and, and him and they're, they're like, well, yeah, these are good. We're like, okay, great. Nothing, nothing crazy, not bad. You know, they're good. They weren't disappointed. Then we photographed the wedding then everything turns into a disaster. When we get, when they get the photos back, um, the first thing was you didn't take enough photos of the centerpieces. And if you know centerpieces, like they're, they're important, but they're not the most important part of the day. Um, but we were sure to capture every, you know, varying centerpiece. And there was like, I think three. Um, the problem was that they had spent a lot of time and effort the night before creating these and they wanted all sorts of artistic, funky, different, probably like, I think we've had 15, photos for three different types of centerpieces. And that's a lot. That's a 15, lot for 15 for each or was this five for each? Five for each, like Got five it. different it's, angles, perspectives, that's a lot. The rings. I mean, like, yeah, that, that was a yeah. lot. That wasn't what set it off. What set it off. And, and I remember this was you didn't fix my nasal labial folds. I had to literally look up what nasal labial folds are and what they are. And, and, and if you can see it us on YouTube is when you smile, you had these lines right here. She wanted us to go back and Photoshop out of every single picture where she smiled, her nasal labial folds. Nasal labial guys. That's, this is the word. This is the phrase of the day right here. Nasal labial fold. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That, it, 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 and it shocked me. And I was just like, that, that's your <laughs> smile. Like what, what do you, and she wanted her money back. And I was like, listen, I like, I can't make you not smile. And, and so it just went on from there. And there was pictures where as a photographer, you know, you have depth of field. So the, the backgrounds, bokeh and the foregrounds, you know, and focus. And, um, and then we sent her that. She's like, I, I, we don't like that. I'm like, lady, this is what we do is we give you contrast and dynamic photos. If you don't, I can shoot everything at F8 and everything's gonna be flat, but we thought you hired us for some creativity. So it just ended up from, you know, lots of <laughs> no. discussions and, and nasolabial folds is, is kind of our, our go-to laugh, my wife and I. Did you so, end up giving her the money back over no. the nasolabial fold? No, folds? I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't justify it. And I'm one to give money back. Like, yes, yeah, totally. Wasn't, but I was just like, 
I, there was literally nothing I could have done. And you didn't mention this before. So like, I, I can't go back and redo it. And honestly, the photos look great. And everybody else is complimenting you on your photos on Facebook and social media. So um, I, I think you're just a little self-conscious. I didn't say this, obviously, but totally, you know, you know imagine that Yelp review coming in, you know, Tim yeah. Wyrick and co he just <laughs> photographed me but my nasal labial folds were just right. fucked up <laughs> yeah. and everybody's gonna be like what the fuck is a nasal labial fold and so you're gonna see a spike in the google searches yeah yeah no, it was it was crazy so that's that's one of the moments that my wife and i remember from very vividly so cool not, not as crazy as some of the other stuff stories i'm sure you've heard no that's we no um we'll have so, to do a crazy a crazy moment we should do like a crazy moment because I know, and we should ask for submissions is what we should do. Because I know that our oh, vendor yes. community has some wild stories out there. No names, but the rockiest stories you've got. All Absolutely. the stories. We need Absolutely. that. That's the juice. That's the part. That's the, the That'd part be like of our this. Saturday morning podcast. Just going through all of these stories and, and the yep. best one we'll have on the show and they can talk about it in detail. That'd be awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Cool. Um, Look at that. Just right, brainstorming. We're in, we're in the, we're, we're, our creative <laughs> right juices are flowing. I love it. Um, so thank you for the inspiration motivation. Um, what is, what, wait, did I ask this yesterday too? What, what's one trend you hope will catch on? No, no, you didn't. So what's, what's one, that's a great what, question. What's one wedding trend that you would like to see either come back around or start? come back around or start. How about stop? Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Totally yeah. fair. I like it. Um, oh man, a trend. You know, it's weird. I don't really consider myself a trendy guy. So I don't know if my discussion on trends is going to be as, as on point as I know, uh, so many others would, but one thing that I would, um, one thing that I would really like to see is more venues be blank canvas. I think the trend towards having venues and to our point of adding revenue streams, having venues bring as much in-house because they're trying to squeeze every dollar out of the actual event is stifling the creativity of the industry. And yeah. I think in equal parts, understanding how you don't go totally crazy, having a bunch of random vendors in all the time that are just completely wreaking havoc on on your venue, but at the same time, something that I would really like to see, and I know there's been a strong effort, obviously, Tim, with, with the projects that you've been involved on uh, and an incredible nationwide company that, that you've been instrumental in building. And then in the venues that I've built, we're building these blank canvas spaces, but I'd really like to see more venues go in that direction because it leaves room for creativity. Uh, it leaves room for incredibly talented people to do what they do best. And, you know, it, leaves that room. And so I would encourage, I, I guess the, the trend that I would love to see is more venues be open to bringing in outside vendors and developing systems of, of weeding through vendors to really let the talented folks in, uh, in, you know, catering, you know, whether it's chefs, mm -hmm. whether it's catering companies, uh, photo booths, whether it's like, like let experts be experts dive into your, your craft as a venue owner, understand your costs, understand your venue, understand how to make your venue the most aesthetically pleasing as possible, which is huge. That's what we're here to do. We're here to provide a beautiful, 
area for people to get married at, uh, or, or hold their event at. And so, um, I would love to see more blank canvas venues and more of a, a, an inertia more than I think we're already seeing towards that model rather than doing the in-house model. I like that one. I like that one a lot. We can get aligned on that one. I think we I can. Like I think we can. Yep. I can talk to you about our rentals then I think we can get aligned. Oh, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Tim, I want to, I want to throw something back at you, the inspiration question, because you've asked me that question, but I'm curious about you and we've just been getting to know each other. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to hear more of our story, how Tim and I met and, and all of that. And we've kind of shared that a little bit in episode one. So go back and maybe listen to that one. But what inspires you? What motive? And you can handle the inspiration and motivation question if you wanted. Um, but what wakes you up in the morning? What what is your point kids, of this that you're kids just wake me up in the morning? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you know, if you have kids, that does happen. You never. We didn't think that would happen, but yeah. Um, no, I, I that's awesome. Um, so I, I would start with, deep I've always been, let's, let's that's go. That's a Tim sigh. Yeah. That's a, Oof, let's, that's, that's a deep thought happening right there. I love it. Um, I would say fear in combination with, um, you know, being a little bit of a rebel, you know, I, I've always hedged my downside as much as humanly possible. And the way I've done that is by building other opportunities and systems. Um, and so, you know, that's, that has honestly been our saving grace um, to, to have these plans and these contingencies for what has, needs to be done in case things go wrong. Um, and that, that, so that's a motivating driver is, is not to have that fear of, you know, lost income or, um, you know, loss of my arm, you know, just working out and exercising. Um, and, and that's, it's a very powerful driver, but it's also a double-edged sword because you don't want it to be the only driver because mm-hmm. um, that just gets to be unhealthy. Um, I would also say uh, being kind of a rebel is, you know, wanting to, to disrupt and change. And I, I've always felt like when I'm doing something, I was like, Fuck, there's got to be a better way to do this. There, mm-hmm. there just has to be like, why am I wasting my time doing it this way? Um, and finding how static and um, lethargic and comfortable businesses and industries can become, um, which is a great place to be, I guess, at some point, but things are going to change. So you, you kind of have to prepare yourself because I'm going to come along and be like, just because you do it that way doesn't mean that it should be done that way. Um, so finding ways to challenge the status quo and improve things has always been kind of a driver for me. Um, and then the last one is I just love to build. I, I love to build things. Um, I love Legos like we talked about on the last episode. Um, I love building, um, drawing and creating. And so being able to take that, that passion that I have, um, and turn it into building businesses and companies and opportunities for other people to work and create and inspire. And that was the blank campus thing is, you know, it creates opportunities for other vendors to be successful. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'll give a shout out to, uh, uh, Christina Cadden was, um, she started CC vintage rentals out in San Diego and the only way she was able to survive was through our venue. Um, we, we, and, and she, and she told me this, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, she, she was like, you know, w- without brick being here, we wouldn't have had a business because you got us off the ground. You got us running. You gave us the opportunity with the open houses and, and that's what helped us segue into the industry and become a brand. And then she ended up selling her company. So it was like a huge win for her. Um, and that was very inspiring for me is like, wow, you know, we, we created this opportunity for this other couple and employees and, you know, just by not doing rentals. 
sorry. Um, no, but <laughs> we're like, gonna have to talk about this because this. Well, and photographers too. Gonna... You know, we 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 started Brick as a photography studio, but we didn't want to be the required photography vendor, so we mm -hmm. wanted to create opportunities for other photographers. So I love to build. Um, I, I love to hedge my downside, and I love to you know kind of rebel. So those mm -hmm. are some of my my passions. And, and Tim, you're describing the traits of a purebred entrepreneur. Ah. I think. There's, there's the rebel component in there that's wanting to build, but you know, something that you said there was very interesting. And I, and I think the business owners who are listening to this right now, um, will relate to this, but other people who are not entrepreneurs or who are not business owners, I think that starting a business, they may think that starting a business is a very risky thing. You could fail. You could have a, a product or service that doesn't hit the market. Well, there's all sorts of risk involved. In fact, it's far more risky what I grew up hearing was it's far more risky to start your own business rather than to go, you know, get a good job after getting a wonderful degree that's going to have job stability, 401k, and there's kind of a path to life. And when you have that good job, you have the security. But it's interesting though, because your, your big thing was developing other security blankets. Yeah. And, it see, and you basically said you're very risk adverse. And I would argue that entrepreneurs are actually extremely risk adverse. Sure. We're willing to make that big jump that, that, you know, one big risk maybe of betting on ourselves. But at the end of the day, we're risk adverse as hell. <laughs> we're trying to develop different ways. I mean, just today we're talking about how to diversify revenue streams for your venue. I mean, that's one of the most risk adverse things you can do. And yeah. so, um, I, I love that. That's, that's really cool. I'm thankful um, for you and, and for this yeah. podcast. And it's definitely been an inspiration and encouragement to me as, as I've been on my journey. Um, and especially being in this industry, I mean, I think we're one of the most, the hospitality industry, uh, tourism is one of the most impacted industries right now, I think in the world. Yeah. And you know, the, the changes, uh, at a very, very foundational level that are happening in our industry are extremely real. And so, um, you know, as a listener, as a viewer on YouTube, we really appreciate you following along with us and, uh, you know, being part of this community because our passion and, and our mission here really is to not just be on the forefront of redefining our industry and rebuilding our industry, but, you know, we want to facilitate collaboration. You know, we want to encourage you to lead the other people that are in your circle and your market. And, you know, we want to give you those tools and tips and, and things that we've learned and, and ways that we can help you. And so uh, if you have a way that we can help you, if you have some questions about running your venue or running your wedding related business, Tim has a plethora of experience with photography. I've got experience with staffing and managing people. Um, so there's, there's a lot of value that, that we'd like to provide and, and just very humbly because we know there's so many people that have helped both of us along our journey. So um, thank you for being a listener. We really appreciate yep. it. And as a call to action, again, we got to build this Instagram. We got to build this Instagram yeah. community. So if you are on Instagram, Absolutely. go to the Venue RX podcast, give us a follow, like all of our one photos. <laughs> Soon to be two. It's Soon just, to be two. But we're going to put two on there. We're going to put Tim's yeah. face. We're going to uh, put my face. Thank you. We're going we're gonna to get- I don't know if that's going to get us more followers or not. But. I know. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm, maybe. Well, fingers crossed. But anyway, go, go to our profile, uh, follow it, and 
follow along, subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, and on YouTube. Hit us in the, the comments because the comments are where we get to interact with you. We are super on top of it and we really want to know some of the questions that you have, the feedback you have, uh, talk shit on our hair. Um, you know, let, let us know. Tim is a photographer. Tell him that his lighting is crappy or, you know, his dynamic range is off. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Think, absolutely. You know, I'm down so, for that. I can take all right. All righty, guys. That is episode number three. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hey everyone, Jonathan here. Just before you go, I wanted to come on and say thank you for listening to today's episode. We would love to connect with you on YouTube, Instagram, and all of our other social channels. And I wanted to remind you, make sure you're subscribed so that you can be tuned in for those updates and you've got those notifications turned on so that you're aware of when our future shows are coming out. We have so many engaging topics and some really exciting guests coming up and I wanna make sure that you don't miss it. I also wanna say this podcast is really such a fun project for me, but in all actuality, it's made possible by you all and it would make a world of a difference to me if you took a moment and rated the show on apple Podcasts, spotify or really wherever you're listening to this content uh, it would help out so much you can find out more about us on the web at www.thevenuerx.com and pretty much anywhere else by just searching the venue rx I also wanted to say we love suggestions for future guests for our show. So if you feel like you know someone who has an incredible story or really could add some value to our listeners, send us a message and let us know. And that's not just for those other guests, but for you as well. You know, if you feel like you uh, could be a wonderful guest on this show, please send us a message and we'll get that all lined up. We can't wait to hear from you. And thank you for joining us on our journey to inspire and elevate the wedding and events industry. I will close us out today by giving a huge thanks to the producer of this show, Andrew Apodaca, and to our very talented video editor, Imtiaz Tanjim. And last, but certainly not least, to you, our listener. We'll see you in the next episode.